Welcome and rest, ye weary traveller, for we have many tales to tell. Tales of conversations with marketing leaders, the tales known as CMO Combo. Attribution is often seen as the ultimate solution to CMO woes. But do it wrong, and you might be actively harming your chance of success. We sat down with Stefan Hedebrandt, CMO and co-founder of Dream Data, to discuss why revenue attribution for B2B is currently doing marketers a disservice, and what solutions might be available. This episode is sponsored by Dream Data. Hi, Stefan. Welcome to CMO Combo. How are you doing today? Hi, Fufal, and uh, thank you. I'm, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, ready to have a good conversation with you. Yeah, it's a conversation that definitely needs to be had because marketing attribution, it's more important than ever in the current economic climate for CMOs. So very eager to have this conversation with you. <laughs> But before we do dig into all that good stuff, maybe you could introduce yourself to the audience, tell us a bit about yourself and why why you wanted why you wanted to talk about this topic in particular today. Yeah, uh, happy to. So yeah, today I'm a CMO and a co-founder of a company called uh, Dream Data. We are a B2B uh, revenue attribution company. <laughs> uh, so, but uh, you can say the reason why I'm really interested in this topic is that I've been in in B2B marketing and growth related roles my whole career since I finished university more than 10 years ago now and I've found out that the, the way to be the most successful and appreciated as a b2b marketer is that if you have real impact on the business's pipeline or the revenue that is coming out at the end and that's why I want to understand kind of what are the paths that these customers has been on that we've won and I want to try to see and understand whether is there stuff that is easily repeatable so we can do more of what works and do less of uh, wasting money on stuff that doesn't yield any uh, pipeline or revenue because essentially I think you're wasting your your own time and your company's money when you're you're doing all sorts of stuff that is not you know driving uh, your business forward in a, in a commercial sense and wasting wasting time wasting resources that's definitely not something most marketers can afford right now with the economy <laughs> the way it is in a lot of places uh, particularly in the UK and the US but I'm sure in other parts of the world as well it's uh, it's time to take a real hard look at how we're spending our, our marketing dollars for sure yeah so, but, I agree that's kind of the, there's the like the past few years we've been some kind of talking about it for like loosely about what would you do if your budget was cut with 50% and uh, what would you turn on, what would you turn off, uh, et cetera. And this year it's actually happening. The budgets are seem to be smaller and it, like people are getting fired because they cannot justify, they cannot prove their activities impact uh, on a, like a positive uh, path for their, their companies. So let's... Let's work on the sort of a foundation for this episode, Stefan, because attribution is a term that gets thrown around a lot, but I think we need to, we need to define what we mean by marketing attribution for the basis of this conversation. Like I'm sure a lot of our audience have ideas about what it means, but for the basis of this conversation, what do we mean by marketing attribution, particularly in the B2B space? Yeah, uh, that's a good one. Well, I think for me, uh, as I said, it's really coming from. I want to understand and know what works. So kind of what are the things that are persistently present uh, in our customer journeys that looks to be repeatable? Um, 
and now there's and then there's stuff that easily lends itself to be understood and then are other stuff that is that is harder to measure what we do uh, at dream data is that we take anything that leaves behind a digital reflection and map that into a customer journey of, of these b2b accounts so we can say kind of it's this ad it's this piece of content it's this event uh, that keeps popping up when you win uh, customers um so, but actually the, the, the question of attribution is like knowing what works, but to actually look at this with data <laughs> is, is where people, I think, uh, get sometimes confused, sometimes misunderstanding what it is, sometimes over-interpreting what they're looking at. And typically I would say to most people that it's actually more, uh, you could say, uh, first they need to solve the data problem. They need to aggregate all the data that touches their accounts anywhere in any data silo and extract it out of the silo that it lives within today to build sort of an, you can call it an account-based data model or an account-based timeline. So all the touches that sits in the CRM, the marketing automation tool, the customer success tool, visitors on the website, ads, etc., events you host, all of it get plotted into the same timeline because otherwise we don't understand where they actually appear on these customer journeys. So firstly, before you can talk about like a question like attribution, uh, you need to solve the data problem first. And that is, that is what we do with dream data. We extract all the data out, clean it up, enrich it and like organize it nicely. And then you can then later on, you can apply what is called an attribution model. If you want to amplify certain parts of the journey could be what starts the journey, what is the last touch, first touch, you know, a data-driven model, what, what are the touches that are repeatedly there. Um, so that is to say kind of, I think where it goes wrong quite often is when uh, people are uh, being measured on stuff that may might not matter really for your business. So that is kind of, they want if if they're staring too blindly at where's their leads coming from instead of looking at the accounts that we won or the accounts that reached uh, the sales pipeline, which path are they actually taking? So if you're being measured on just purely leads, you would naturally invest more in what uh, generates more leads, even if it's that you know if that's just a funny cat video on LinkedIn, <laughs> LinkedIn or Facebook that has zero buying intention in actually handing over their, their email. Uh, that's why it's, so, it's extremely important that wh wh whilst we talk about attribution, it has to be about attribution to stuff that actually matters to, to your business. And then that was a long intro, Will. I don't know if it, uh, it makes sense. It does, yeah, it does definitely. And um, one thing I'd, I'd like to add as well, Stefan, is um, attribution is not necessarily just looking at the immediate customer journey, like when they land on your website, and to a point of sale. There's lots of other stuff before they enter that funnel as well that needs to be taken into account with attribution. Um, I actually saw a meme about this on LinkedIn literally just this morning, and I was like, ah, I'm actually going to be talking about this today. And it was about how customers, even B2B customers, can have so many touch points with your brand before they actually move into your funnel. Mm. It's a danger to only look at the activity that moves them into the funnel as the reason they made that sale, because you might invest your dollars into places that, makes sense based on that data say if they 
decide to order something on the on their phone, then you'll think, oh, great, we need to invest more into our mobile um, activities. Whereas they might have encountered your brand and had touch points with your brand at many, many different points that move them into that um, that space to begin with. Yeah. So, that's I'm really, one. Uh, go on, Stefan, go. Yeah, I'm really happy you mentioned that, Bill, because uh, <laughs> that's actually an important point as well, is that like in B2B, like sales doesn't come out of nowhere. It <laughs> takes a lot of hard work and a lot of grit, generating awareness, getting people to be acquainted with your brand. It takes sales conversations, demo calls, buying committees, business cases, etc. Um, we put out some benchmarks last year about our customers' B2B customer journeys. And we found that the, the average journey was around 192 days from the first touch on an account until the account is one. And it had an, an average of uh, of 31 sessions involved in each deal. Wow. Now, only just when we, when we have a demo call booked on our own website, there's an average of four sessions involved in, in getting that demo call booked. Typically, what you'd see uh, in the CRM in Google Analytics of the source of our demo calls would be somebody came in directly and booked the demo call. But what actually happened was that there was four sessions involved in booking this demo. The last two would can typically be direct, direct, but it n almost always originates from some kind of marketing activity, paid, organic, uh, referrals, whatever it might be as the first touch. Then the second time they might Google the brand and then organically arrive to the website. And now because the brand name or the, the URL sticks in the browser, the last two times they visit, they just start typing and then they go directly. And what this means that the CRM will say, somebody just came in directly and booked the demo. It means that the business do not understand how their activities impact revenue and for the marketers, it means that they don't know where to invest their money and they end up in this situation where they can't prove that what works. So they throw money left and right on stuff that doesn't have an impact. And then when this tougher time comes around, <laughs> it's, a, it's a tough spot to be in marketing if you can't make that kind of, if you can't connect the dots from the first session until the business outcome is there. For sure, for sure. And attribution as well gives... CMOs and marketing leaders, the tools to, well, the, the information to support things that they know work, like stuff like brand building activity, stuff that historically has been very hard to attribute. If you can find ways to attribute that, to keep track of those touch points when people interact with the brand, then you find a way to justify those costs that someone like a CFO or someone with a sales background or a finance background, they might not be able to appreciate the value of brand building. But if you can attribute it and you can show how it leads to a sale at some point, then you've got a lot more scope to ask for bigger budget, to do more exciting marketing as well at the end of the day. Exactly. And it's kind of, you want to be able to see that like when the salespeople win the deals, it's great that they get this contract signed and that's what it's all about. The scorecard for marketing is sales. But it's pretty nice to see that 80% of the touches leading up to that deal being won was, you know, brand campaigns, marketing campaigns, all sorts of stuff that kind of help that account gain awareness about your company. And then at some point they end up in a in a sales conversation that ultimately becomes a deal that you, you win. So 
is the solution really just making sure you're tracking the touch points properly or is there is there more that needs to be done beyond that I think it's a, it's 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 a two part or multiple <laughs> answers to that to that question. One thing, one there's um, there's stuff that is easy to measure, which is kind of clicks, emails, calls, etc. But then there's other stuff that is absolutely valuable, but is harder to measure. So that that is kind of people listening to this podcast activity in a Slack channel, people you meet at a conference, all these things that doesn't leave behind a, a digital trace, they can still be very valuable to do. <laughs> so there's a kind of this thing. You need to understand that we can represent something with data and here the answers are, are quite straightforward. And then there's the other activities that, that you would still do in your go-to market because it makes sense. It's the right people. It's the right uh, interactions we have. And those things you need to find a more qualitative way of expressing. Uh, simple ways are like in the sales meetings, ask them, look, where did you hear about our company? <laughs> or like have that kind of a form on your website where you ask people to fill it out uh, themselves. Um, or take screenshots of whenever you see your company being talked about in a Slack channel or on LinkedIn or wherever it is. So you kind of have a something to support your narrative that we're doing these things. We think that it's working, but make sure you actually gather the evidence for things actually actually working. But actually my, my low, low, low practical advice for getting started here would really be to start building a narrative of we're doing these things in marketing because we want to achieve X, Y, Z, and then we will make more money and then start talking with other people in your company and see whether they actually believe this narrative. <laughs> and then once you've kind of established kind of a meaningful story about what you're doing, then you need to start bringing uh, evidence. Um, some of them can be qualitatively, as I said, screenshots, anecdotes, etc. Others need to be really quantitative. Bought all these ads, we bought 10,000 clicks, it yielded a thousand emails. One out of those 1,000 emails, we got 20 new deals in. So it's kind of, you need to move on both fronts, both the kind of qualitative and quantitative. Definitely, definitely. And being, being able to construct that narrative is really important as well. I think that's one of the big issues that are facing a lot of CMOs right now is being able to market their marketing, being able to justify the power of marketing and attribution is obviously a, a big step towards doing that. Um, when it comes to um, working with other stakeholders uh, on these narratives, uh, who do you think are the most important people that the uh, CMOs need to work with? Obviously, heads of sale, but anyone else that could be relevant yeah, to this conversation? I think uh, in general, kind of this alignment between sales and marketing is a crucial component for, for B2B as, as well. Um, because like you could be doing the best of marketing in the world, but if the salespeople don't chase the leads that you bring in, if they don't pick up the phone, there's there going to be no ROI, no return on ad spend because your company didn't make any money. <laughs> so you absolutely need the intention and alignment uh, of the sales of the salespeople. I typically advise people to to you know insist on being part of if there's a weekly sales meeting, a pipeline meeting. Somebody from marketing has to sit in on that meeting, whether that's physical or digital. 
so they can listen to what what are what does what are the salespeople saying? Do they like the leads? Are the leads wrong? Uh, are there questions that are repeatedly being asked that we can produce content so the salespeople have, doesn't have to go through the same explanation one more time? Um, and then I would say, kind of, there's kind of leading, uh, you can say horizontal or whatever you want to call it to the sales team. But there's also, you also need to make sure that the people upstairs understand kind of if you give us this budget, we're trying to achieve XYZ outcome. And if you give us more, this is how I'm going to spend it. So kind of that could be your CFO or CEO or whatever it is. I think in general, you just need to be really like, consistent in explaining why why are we carrying out these activities and what is it that we're expecting to expecting to see as uh, as outcomes then bring the proof of your outcome uh, once you have it because it's um, i think it's up to us as marketers to be proactive about it to take responsibility to you know go ask for the budget rather than you just being given the budget <laughs> And to go ask them for the budget means that you can actually explain why are we going <laughs> to do these different things rather than just being slapped the budget by the C CFO that tells you, okay, here's some marketing dollars. I'm not really paying attention to whether it impacts the business uh, or not. And, th and that's why it's important to have people like the head of sales on side because they're, they're going to help you justify the market spend as well. Like if you've got your CRO or your head of sales, whatever you want to call it within your organization, on side and agreeing that if we invest more marketing money, we're going to get more sales. A two-pronged, I don't want to say assault, that's probably the wrong term to use, but two-pronged approach is going to do a lot more um, to get the CFO on side, get the CEO on side, because you are marketing sales properly aligned for once, and that's going to be a very powerful thing in getting things over the line. Yeah, absolutely. So, Stefan, I think... A lot of the audience are probably very on side on everything that we've said so far. Let's talk about some practical steps in terms of like how how to go about setting up a proper attribution model, what kind of components are needed. Maybe if you've got any practical examples that we could run through as well, um, that'd be great. Yeah, uh, let me try. and Let me actually start uh, expressing why uh, why is this particularly uh, a special discipline in B2B. So I said earlier that we had these benchmarks of the journey being 192 days and 31 sessions. On our own account, it's more in both in terms of days and, and sessions and stakeholders. So what that means is really that none of the conventional tools out there is built for understanding a scenario like this. So that being Google Ads, Facebook Ads, LinkedIn Ads, Twitter Ads, whatever ad platform, they're just wired to understand the behavior of an individual and what that individual click <laughs> uh, yielded in return in the first session that occurred. But all of us know in B2B that there's a, there's a time span between us spending money and seeing revenue come back. So all of these platforms can tell you absolutely nothing about the revenue that they, you yield from the clicks you buy. So that means we need to find a different way of connecting uh, our activities to, to money. It also means that Google Analytics is absolutely useless, even though it's what 95 or 99% of B2B marketers rely on today. 
there's no cash in Google Analytics in B2B. Google Analytics is blindly looking at individual uh, browsers. So if you come from your computer and your phone the next day, it looks like you're two different people. Mm -hmm. So all the traditional tools, including the CRM system, has absolutely no clue on what's going on. The way to change this is um, to enable your yourself to actually look at the journey uh, of what happened. And the first kind of like low practical thing you should do is to say, what are all the activities we do today? Do we ensure that they leave behind uh, digital traces? So that could be your salespeople just sit on their phone, call customers, maybe ask them to call from within some kind of calling software. The CRM system might have a calling option. So we leave behind on this day, we called this person from this company. If your customer success right now is uh, or support is handled through your Gmail inbox, probably want to move that into a software system as well. If you meet 15 people at a conference you sponsored, make sure you actually register this in your CRM system. So it, there's some kind of trace. So like step one is like starting to generate uh, the data you need for understanding these journeys. Typically you can say kind of the best time to, to plant a tree was 20 years ago. <laughs> and the same kind of goes with the, like, like starting to produce the data you, you need once you want to do the analysis. Now, once you have, let's say you have enough data, I would say actually one more component that you need is typically, um, the website data, meaning the, the people who come to your website right now, people are quite often relying on, on Google analytics, but Google analytics is, you know, it's not your entity. You don't own the data that sits within Google analytics. Google owns that or alphabet or whatever it's called nowadays. So you need to like first party track what takes place on your website into a data warehouse where you sit on top of this data so you can make sense of it when you want to do it. So if you have all your system and tools, you have your website data, then what you need to do is to, to model this in model this into a B2B uh, context, into an account-based context. So we don't think about people as individuals, but we actually think people as part of like a progressing timeline. You know, B2B companies, they buy as teams, they have buying committees. So one might be the first person you meet because he's he or she's doing the initial research. They then have to bring in teammates and they have maybe other people again who's signing the contract. And if you can't kind of view these people in an account-based timeline, then all of them looks like individuals and you will have no clue about what's going on. So there's you can go down the path of hiring very expensive data engineer, data scientists to help extract all this data out of each silo and that built an account-based timeline. Or it, like the quicker thing would be to be by um, some kind of software like Dream Data or some of the related products like that to kind of model the data for you to, at the end of the day, it's just about being able to understand what are all the activities we're carrying out today which of them yield pipeline and revenue and which of them don't. 
And then I, I think about the world as kind of a uh, like a normal distribution kind of a, a bell curve kind of uh, setting. Yeah. And you can basically plot in all your activities here. And if you can constantly weed out the, the worst part of your go-to-market and shift resources over to, to what's working, then over time you become more and more effective, your customer acquisition costs improve and, and so forth. So that was a long explanation. Well, I, I don't know if uh, you could follow follow it all the way. Yeah, definitely, definitely, and yeah, totally makes sense. Like, I, I really like the um, I really like the idea of yeah, um, including in person contact as part of the digital touch points. I think that is one thing that is really missing when it comes to attribution events. At least prior to the pandemic, and they are picking up now, was such a huge part of B two B marketing and B two B sales, and that's one of the. Uh, I think that's always been one of the big missing links when it comes to marketing attribution. So the idea of having that included as a digital touch point, I think is, uh, yeah, fantastic. It makes absolute sense. And it does that. We deliberately talk about revenue attribution as opposed to, to marketing attribution. Mm-hmm. And why we do that is that we believe that all, like it, we believe that all the touches matter in B2B. We don't think that you can do like a five, six, seven digit uh, annual contract with a click on a Facebook ad <laughs> or or stuff like that. You need to kind of have touches from throughout the journey, not just like on a, a marketing collateral. It's, you know, there's sales meeting, there's calls, there's interactions with CS. So we want to take anything that has a digital reflection that touches the customers in order to actually fairly enable you to you know, you can only spend your money once. <laughs> so it might be suboptimal to buy another click on a Facebook ad if it's really the, let's say, the chat you have on your website that enables people to to make a buying decision or whatever it is. It's really just about being as effective as you possibly can. So we want to talk about revenue attribution and not just like the, the attribution to somebody clicking uh, one specific ad. Awesome. Yeah, that makes 100% sense. So when it comes to sort of like the time frame for this, you mentioned it can take a while to get the requisite data for this to be able to work properly. What are we talking in terms of scale? Is it purely industry dependent or are there some kind of benchmarks that people should look for for when they're at a level where they think, yeah, this marketing attribution model can start working? You're thinking in terms of size of companies or what are you thinking? Maybe, maybe yeah, like... What kind of, what kind of like uh, rate of deals, rate of customers should they be looking for before they can actually start saying they can see patterns, they can see attribution models that they can actually work around? Like, because obviously you can't just work off just one closed deal. That's not evidence. That's not a pattern. So, what do we need in place in order for, yeah. for that to be clear? I think that's a good point, Will, and I think there's definitely industries that lends itself better to, to you can say. analyzing them through digital paths than others. Mm -hmm. Like if your business is uh, going golfing and eating steaks, then that's the recipe is quite simple for what you need to do. Whereas there's other businesses where you have multiple deals coming in every month or even more coming into the sales pipeline. So you have more volume and velocity to, to, to analyze. So I think one component is if you're in a if you have a business where you actually your go to market is fairly digital that's a very favorable 
place to be if you want to understand what's going on. If everybody's just working out of pen and paper and meeting people physically at a conference, it's you know it's harder to understand what's going on. I think it comes down to you being interested in the topic, you know, constantly be constantly being curious about how do we make money, where does clients come from. I think this is the number one question you should start asking in your company, <laughs> like how do we produce revenue? Like what are the things we do for us to have the outcomes we want? And if you kind of keep staying on that topic or you want to constantly be getting smarter, so, okay, we pick up the phone and we call people. That's one option. (laughs) What actually happened? Could we do something so people know a little bit about us before we call? (laughs) Can we make sure that we actually appear when people are in market just searching in Google or on a review platform and so forth? So just like keep being curious about how do you make money? (laughs) That's probably the place you, you should start. Definitely, definitely. Stefan, I was I was going to ask you for like a, a golden rule to tie everything together, but that sounds like a good one, unless you've got something else that you think needs to be top of mind for, for CMOs when they're approaching this uh, <laughs> this kind of project. I think uh, my, own, my own kind of, the way I approach the game of marketing is that like use your gut feeling and uh, intuition for ideas. And then when you need to make decisions about what to scale and what to stop, then you need to provide like yourself with data to, to make these decisions. So kind of, it's kind of fluctuating between like be driven by what feels like a good idea and then make sure you have data when you need to make these tough decisions about how to, 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 to place your budget. Great stuff. And. One last thing, Stefan, if, if people are looking to get more information on these kinds of attribution models that you've been talking about, where should they look? <laughs> I'm happy to, to, to go check out our website, which is just dreamdata.io, and they can always reach out to me on LinkedIn, and I'll be happy to you know answer any question that they, they might have. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Stefan. Um, as I said at the top of the episode, it's an important topic, this, right now. It's a very important topic, so thank you very much. I think we really illuminated some things about attribution that even I wasn't aware about. And I've had conversations about marketing attribution quite a few times on this show. The idea of including non-digital stuff with a digital footprint, I think is going to be an absolute game changer for a lot of people. So thank you very much. I think my, my last word would just be like, we're not looking to, like any marketer shouldn't be looking to invent stuff that is, that is not there, but you should be looking to be super curious about what is actually there and trying to repeat the stuff that that clearly works definitely definitely and that's uh, that's a great note to end on there Stefan. thank you very much for joining us today um as i said really really important topic i've learned a lot i'm sure our audience have learned a lot because i'm sure they appreciate you joining us today Stefan. <laughs> that's good to hear will and thank you very much to our audience as well we'll be back soon with some more cmo combos like what you heard from this CMO combo? Make sure you hit that subscribe button and leave a rating so the whole world knows how great it was. 